Many people have problems with art and not with reality. So why is art different? It's pretty simple, right? This is knowledge, this is thinking, this is thought. Yeah, it does something strange with your head. Welcome to the Undergang Armchair. Bring it. Welcome to the Undergang Armchair. My name is Ando. Hello, friends, and uh, perhaps new listeners. Today, we're going outside the normal format of the program. It's in honor of our new collaboration with the Chart Art Fair here in Copenhagen, which uh, jumps off for the fifth time here in just a few days, on Friday to be exact. And as I said, we are entering into this new collaboration with them, which I'm personally really excited about. So I'll be lurking around the fair, doing a lot of recordings, and then for the uh, next couple of weeks, we'll be releasing content from the talks. So stay tuned. Today's show is a warm-up of sorts. I got to sit down with some of the founding galleries of the fair and with the director, all of whom I will introduce shortly. And we ended up with a sort of oral history of chart from uh, some of the different actors involved. It's a fitting episode to celebrate the first five years of chart. And it was very enlightening for me to learn about how the fair came about, some of the thoughts behind it, and uh, some of the guiding philosophies. There were some things I did not expect to hear coming from uh, people designing a commercial fair. So let's get straight into it. Enjoy. So the story of the birth of Chart starts here with the gallery owner Susanna Odison, who took the initiative to uh, contact four of her colleagues and float the idea of starting this new fair. This is Susanna. Everybody wanted uh, it. Everybody could see that the artists wanted it, the galleries for sure wanted it, and um, and the, the whole massive interest on Copenhagen. But people, uh, uh, we could actually invite people and they would come because mm-hmm. Copenhagen became sexy. So it's born out of a need from the from everybody. It's not just an idea from yeah from me or a few of my colleagues. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been such uh, a success. And this is another founder of the fair, gallery owner Klaus Andersen. Because it was actually because Art Copenhagen became, what should I say, a little bit too local. And, and not, not to diss Art Copenhagen at all, actually, because the idea came out of me talking to Mark Sladen when he was the director of uh, Constance Lottenborg. If he was into that, and he actually was, then nothing really happened until Susanna called me one day and said she had the idea as well. Uh, I said for years that the young one should do it. <laughs> <laughs> I've done my, I've done my, my things. I've worked with with politics around art for years, for, for, for generations. Uh, and I said you have to do it. You're the young ones, and and nobody did it. And in the end, I said okay. Fuck it. Yes, I do it. <laughs> yes. And then I called my colleagues and said, um, "Do you want to? Shall we do this together?" And um, and the colleagues, you all know that it's David Wesley and Jesper and Bobiago and Klaus Andersen. 
and they have very, we have we have all five of us very different uh, galleries, and we are different generations and approach to things. And it's uh, a good mix. It's it's very very important. Yeah. And uh, and uh, for us personally, it has been a gift to um, we know each other very well now, and it's it's uh, uh, for me. Um, Knowing Jesper and David Ristley, we would never have um, been close, right. and we are now. So it's it's um, it's a benefit, a personal benefit out of it. This is Jesper L, founder and director of V One Gallery. We were at a point where that seemed viable. It would still be a risk, but it seemed like a good idea. And at the same time, we felt that Charlottenburg uh, was struggling. Um, it was. Uh, it needed funding. It needed direction, and it needed a public. Uh, right. The timing was perfect because there was a lot of uh, public attention on the fact that Charlottenburg was having a hard time. Yeah, and we thought, well, this would be great. Let's approach Charlottenburg and see if they would have us there, because that would mean that we could probably help them uh, right. both with the. Uh, gathering a new audience and also financially of course because we uh, rent Schlottenborg and we share also every ticket uh, we share half and half with them mm -hmm. so it would give them a financial boost and I think that is in everybody that lives in Copenhagen's interest that Schlottenborg is a is a strong institution and an important institution, uh, especially now also with its re relationship to the Art Academy. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of, it seemed like that it would be challenging, but it would be a great platform to, to kind of set this adventure off on. So after deciding to start a new fair, they of course needed professional help, and uh, they found this gentleman by the name of Simon Fries. I was for many, many years working with, with restaurants mm -hmm. and um, quite fast I started through the network I got in there to do events on the side with a lot of uh, people from both the fashion world but also someone from the architecture world and the design world and some from, someone from the art world. Um, so the reason why I'm saying this is because I was doing something for a fashion brand called Acne or Acne in, in English and uh, and. I was standing with a physical, like physically a broken arm, trying to be involved and, and running this opening of a couple of stores in Denmark. And uh, and there was two DJs playing for that opening, and that was Trandemøller and a guy called Jesper El, who was from V1. He owns V1. And I think he felt that <laughs> that I did a good job managing this with this stupid broken arm. Uh, and a lot of it was, of course, hospitality. There was a lot of important people coming and, and, uh, and also just project managing the whole setup. Jesper was the one introducing me or the in introducing my name to the others, but some of them already knew me as well. That was how I got in. And, and then they, they called me to to a meeting where I, of course, I had to, t to tell about who I was. And then they actually called me the same day and asked if I could start because at that time it was uh, five months to chart. <laughs> and yeah. chart, chart was not, it was, we haven't done it before. So everything was a bit up in the air. Of course, they had a lot of ideas about how it should be. Um, but, uh, but that was kind of it. Here we have Jesper L again. The idea that we were all these galleries that would travel to 
Basel or to New York or to Cologne or to Paris or to London to exhibit uh, and this idea of saying like okay we're all going out there and all trying to promote uh, the region and what is happening in the region and trying to make it relevant why don't we invite people to Copenhagen instead right, right. you instead know of using all that effort out and about in the yeah we would still be doing that but once a year why not like try and put the same effort that we're trying to put into going to Basel or yeah London why not put the same effort into our home town basically and say like well and we discussed as well you know would it be better in Stockholm or would it be better in Oslo but looking at it it seemed like that the Danish Copenhagen-based galleries were more out in the world than our colleagues at that time in, in Sweden and Norway. So we felt that it was a natural uh, place to pick it as a, as a Nordic platform. Mm. So after getting this fair going, they needed to design and personalize it. This is Klaus Andersen again. Also, we wanted to, we wanted to show, let's say, the best of Scandinavia, then the second point was not to to do the ABC mistake was to to say that the local galleries were not allowed to have any openings or dinners during the art fair, which means that that the other Scandinavian galleries they will be a much closer part of what's happening during during that weekend, and they shouldn't be afraid that that the local galleries are basically stealing their collectors and. Right, and so on. So we would kind of be together for those three days. I know that that, for example, in many other fairs, then when the fair is closed, there's shitloads of dinners in the local galleries, and then you can basically try to compete with that or try to get collectors to come, which are probably invited to dinners uh, elsewhere, and so on. And that that's a little bit. At, at, not so nice thing about it. Huh? Right, it separates out, it splinters off immediately as, yeah. soon as, uh, as soon as the doors close. Exactly. And I think that has been a huge advantage in terms of the whole atmosphere at the fair. Mm. Also for the collectors, actually, I don't think they're missing visiting the local galleries necessarily. They get to meet other collectors, they get to meet also the local galleries and other galleries, whatever, during the dinners and during those three days. The choice of location has been very significant in shaping the vibe of chart, but there's actually more to it than that. This is Susanna Audison again. Doing it in Charlottenburg, we would also open up Charlottenburg. We would put it in the center of Copenhagen and force people to, you know, stay in the center of Copenhagen. And um, and uh, uh, the way we have uh, made it without without um, uh, right, no normal booths, yeah. we, we tell people that you're going to be in this room. We tell our colleagues there are four galleries. You have to speak together. Of course, you have that corner, you have that corner, you have that corner. But how you place the furniture, it's up to you. Uh, we asked Montana uh, to do furniture for us. So every furniture, nobody is allowed to bring in their own fancy chair. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we want everybody to join our dinners. All our colleagues, all the color, all the the people coming in from from abroad. So we do things together, uh, the quite opposite of uh, how a normal fair is. 
our colleagues uh, uh, were a little unsecure in the beginning about the sharing thing. What is that? Right. Um, especially the sweets. They had to, <laughs> <laughs> to share things. I don't know if I should say that. But, um, but uh, they are a little uncomfortable on that. Well, it, it goes against the usual fair format also. It does. Absolutely. But, but we also put in, you know, personal things from, from Danish side. Uh, normally when, when I go to a fair, if I go to market in Stockholm, for instance, just to stay in the Nordic countries, uh, then on Saturday, all the galleries in Stockholm, they do their fernissage or they do their dinners or their breakfast or their whatever parties and we just sit there like you right, know and everything stuff. goes poof and goes di- dissipates yeah. into the town so it was rule number one from the very beginning and i think it's the only fair in the world where that is a rule is that not any of the danish galleries who participate in the fair are allowed to do anything special in the gallery. Of course, we have our shows. We put up a, a great show at the time when the fair is there. But And we invite people and they're welcome to come. But we do no breakfast, no brunches, no dinners, no right. openings, nothing. Do you guys have a grip on who they are? I'm going to let them take over from here. This is Simon Fries again. Actually, what we tried to tell all the galleries the first year, all the participating galleries, mm-hmm. like... This is done on collaboration. You're not here to compete against each other. It's not my collector or your collector. Uh, we're not building any booths. You're exhibiting in a Kunsthalle. So it's it's actually we're working on the premises of the art, uh, trying to show this more of an exhibition than single, singular booths. So right, you have, it's an open floor plan. Exactly. So you have to collaborate. If you have two galleries in the same room, you don't have a wall separating them. You're actually collaborating. That means also that if a collector comes in or a curator comes into your booth, then they're also practically stuff or literally standing in my colleague's booth. And, and that, that's, that kind of creates a new way of, uh, of approaching your, your potential clients as well. Yeah. And in the beginning, the, the galleries were like, no, hey, I'm not sharing my best client and I'm not because everything we're doing around the fair, also dinners, et cetera, everybody's eating together. So it's not, uh, Simon dinner or uh, Alexander dinner or an Andreas dinner or Isabella dinner just to talk about gallery because normally at art, other art fairs you have dinners separately for, from each gallery, each gallery happening around the city sure. but here you actually eat everybody together and, and people were like but I'm not going to share my clients because my clients is my clients and your client is your client but what you realized after trying it once is actually that my best client is always loyal to me but maybe your best client could be my new relation hmm. and that really worked we wanted an art fair because it's uh, our business is commercial, uh, but we also wanted an art fair that could facilitate all these other things that are super important to our work. That um, there's a interesting and um, intellectual dialogue about art. Um, that there is a meeting point where commercial and institutional and private interests kind of merge uh, where artists can meet curators, where galleries can meet curators. Um, so it was very important that it would not just be a, like a normal art fair, that it would be a more community-based thing. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I mean that in a, 
in a global sense of the word community that it would be about art there would be space for commerce uh, me selling a painting or a sculpture or a video but there would also be uh, equally um, an opportunity for people to connect and yeah. talk yeah. you know so so yes uh, chart is an art fair but i would say it's also a lot of other things on top of that we wanted to yeah let's say use what what copenhagen has to offer which is of course at the moment especially food how could we incorporate that somehow this was why we were doing these food stalls in the beginning but then not to make them like whatever total random food stalls mm. then we had the idea of asking architects to do temporary uh, pavilions basically Did all this come from the meetings before you even started? You guys really started fleshing out the idea? Or was it much more basic in the beginning? I think it came before we actually before we actually started. I think actually maybe in the beginning we were just asking some architects. Now it's more like a competition because the the um, school of architecture were were happy about it and wanted as a and then we could give the, the young architects an opportunity to mm-hmm. to do something yeah then also we have this music and the social thing that developed a little bit more over the years right i mean last year you guys had an international you had peaches come play and there was a huge party and it was exactly it was crazy and you know exactly That was maybe maybe topped it last year <laughs> to an extent where where it became half art fair, half rock festival. Yeah, and we're trying to lower that a little bit this year. It was But a I, little crazy. It was too crazy, actually. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. But it's also, I think, the, the the good thing about it is that we probably attract a lot of people that we wouldn't attract to uh, an art fair. Right, and then hopefully they get. A feeling, some of them, that the art world is actually a pretty cool place. Yeah, a lot of things is happening, both the music and whatever architecture, and it could also be whatever poetry, readings, whatever, which we haven't involved yet. But it could be, be a little bit of of all those artistic fields that could be merged more naturally together. Mm. So it doesn't necessarily have this super commercial uh, look of course it is an art fair and it should also be and have to be people were uh, some people were skeptical about it it was also like oh but why should i share like my best collector or my best museums or so forth why should i share them uh, with the next guy and we were like But listen, if we all share, then we will all at some point have the the same benefit, you know. And it was important to kind of make a, a flat, kind of almost social democratic <laughs> <laughs> structure around it where you invite all these people and then you treat them equally. You don't, you, you know, everybody is joining at the same time, at the same table. We mm. talk together and... And I think something very interesting has come out of that. Also, uh, people attending our talks program and talking at the talks program, you know, they want to come back and they want to stay like for the whole weekend, you know, in the beginning they where they didn't know it, they would just 
you know have an idea that it should they should fly in like they always do i mean for for a big museum curator talking at an art fair is not the most prestigious thing you can do not usually high on the list you know but here all of a sudden we had people like when they're been in copenhagen for six hours they were like okay guys can you help us change the plane tickets we will stay until it closes sunday because they all of a sudden they were meeting colleagues and artists and from all over and kind of in this relaxed atmosphere where people actually you know that's where you have the good conversations you know sure. when you when you feel that it's 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 nice to be there it's not just because you're paid or feel obliged to be there and it's not in a convention hall no. which a lot of art fairs are I think that makes I mean of course Charlotte Morg is such a beautiful uh, venue and there is you have this beautiful combination because it's with the art academy so you have this beautiful combination of rich rich history and then you have the avant-garde right next to it which I love you know that it's like it has such a tradition but it's also where you have all the youngest artists in Copenhagen experimenting right you the know. fuck you crowd is right there next to you <laughs> exactly which I love <laughs> I had some guests coming in uh, for the first time two years ago and uh, their comment was that it had the same it had it was fun there was the whole vibe around it was that um, people, the loving of art, uh, everybody loves art, uh, uh, even artists can be, can stay in it. Who I hate mean, art fairs also. <laughs> even normally generally. you never see an artist going to an art fair because they hate it. Yeah. Uh, they only come if they have to go. And uh, they could, they hang around and they, uh, because we have this, you have all this, we have built up around the fair. Uh, to make it a place where you can meet people and, and hang out yeah. and have fun yeah. because it's so important and some of uh, my guests said that it reminded them of the 70s hmm. that um, Interesting. I even had a guest who said she, she hadn't had so much uh, fun in, in in doing what she loves to do since yeah uh, the 70s wow and that's um... and that was a feeling like in the 70s it was more open more cooperation yes. Yes. more yes and mm. and and of course it's commercial and it is not that we want to hide I mean I have a gallery I live from selling art and I mean uh, that, that's that's what I do I present uh, art and I sell it so the artist can live and continue to do art yeah. so so um, and we're all um, d- d- working hard to do that that a lot of art fairs can seem a bit boring to be honest but it's but the the you the word they use about chart is actually that they have fun being here mm-hmm. And we really like to stick to that. Well, I mean, the size—the size of the fair is both to your advantage and disadvantage. You have a very—you have no extra space whatsoever. It's completely packed, and so there, there, you have to be extremely selective about who and what you work with. Yeah. In that case, but that also does create that that kind of intimacy where, you know, I go to Photo Paris every year. It's kind of a shit show. I love it, but after about two hours, you're completely blown out. You can't, you know, you can't small talk anymore. You don't know where you are. It's it's too much. Yeah. So in that sense, having a smaller space is is really um, an advantage. But it must also be hard because you have to say no to things you also yeah. actually think would be a good thing to 
you know, invite in. Yeah, I mean, we, we decided already from the first year that we wanted to focus on Nordic galleries because we felt that there was quality enough to use or to work with the amount of galleries we had space for. And also at the same time, a lot of the people that you're inviting from outside of this region, their most valuable asset is time. Yeah. And they are invited to, I mean, you've got like, someone told me that you've got around 255 substantial art fairs throughout the year. That means more than more than three or four for a week and so many exactly and therefore i mean for us it's super important that that uh, that actually they were feeling something different here and when you're going to this region then you could actually see some of the best galleries gathered here so that if you are a person coming from outside you don't have to travel to four or five different countries you can actually see everything here mm. and that feedback has been really good from outside but at the same time a lot of galleries outside this region has approached us if they could participate but here we're really strict and are sticking to our kind of narrative where we say that we don't want to we don't want to work with galleries outside the region well i'm sure there's lots of galleries in the region also that would like to take part and there isn't space for that either exactly you know and in fact there's a second fair that sprung up because the demand is so high yeah yeah, yeah. which is uh i see it as a positive thing that happened from the fact that you guys started chart definitely so other people decided to start something else too which is code uh and that, that really showed how much desire there was for a different kind of art fair yeah. than the one that was here yeah. when I first arrived yeah. 10 years ago. And I think you're totally right. I, I mean, uh, first of all, we we I see, I see it the same way as you're seeing it. I think there was, of course, uh, a need for it or, or people asking for it. Um, and I think it's great. We think it's great that there's more happening. And we also see it as a reaction to us starting up something, definitely. I wouldn't say that you couldn't do another fair and it could look in another way or now code now is there. Now there is another fair. There yeah. is another fair. It's fantastic. In my opinion, it opens up. It just shows that we are right. Well, I thought it was also interesting to hear that you guys are a non-profit. Yeah. I don't know how common that is in a fair model either. I think actually the only other fair I know that is non-profit is, is an art fair in Basel called Liste. So Which why is, why did you guys uh, like why why that format? These five owners did not start this up to earn money. So they did in the manifest in the in the structure they wrote in that if there was a surplus, it has to go to the next year's running, and if there was a minus, then the five owners would of course have to cover that minus. Mm. And 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 uh, and the reason why we did this structure is because then you can do different things differently. I mean, normally with an art fair, you have sorry to say nine out of ten you have a very big commercial company behind it often a company that normally runs a lot of different fairs right um so maybe one week you have an art fair the next week you have a baby fair and the week after you have a car fair technology exactly whatever. and those are of course looking at how can you how can you make a profit out of things mm -hmm. and 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 when you have that focus then there's always the thought of are things making a surplus and for us it was with this model you can actually sometimes say Maybe it's not so much about making a profit or looking at the numbers. It's more about making great content and, mm -hmm. and actually contributing to the art world in this region. Because that's if for us, it's a, everything you're doing. It's really important that you feel that you're kind of you are in a process of moving things to something else, like moving the boundaries of the Nordic art world. Yeah. Not maybe in in this like directly, but sometimes also in the future.
that was one of the things I really enjoyed learning from Simon yesterday yeah. was about how it's a non-profit, which is very rare yeah. in yeah. the, uh, in the, in the uh, fair commercial fair world, and how the money goes back into creating cultural events, which are actually free. Yeah. So you have yeah. a commercially driven event, which provides free culture for the city. Exactly. But that's a little bit, the, the, that, that, that's why we can do it like this is actually because the, the four, five, whatever, five founders, you could say we earn actually money by selling art. So we actually set up a, a booth where we can actually earn the money that, that, that we have to earn. And we don't have to earn money on the actual art fair, whether it would be, a, yeah, a whatever, a normal art fair, uh, what is a company, whatever. Fair sure, company. an event company. Yeah. yeah, then they would have to earn money, right. uh, of course. But but we don't have to. So so you can say we will never get any money out of it, basically. And we haven't got any money out of it. Mm. <laughs> it's still our company. But 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 yeah. But we don't. Uh, right. You don't have. You don't have to answer to uh, some sort of investment or or no. say we need to make X amount of millions this year or whatever. Exactly. And that's that provides an opportunity to use instead any money to create. A scene, more of a. I yeah. mean, that's the thing. You guys have made an event which which hosts a. You know, there was nothing that represented Nordic art in this sense, mm. uh, and that's why it's so interesting to yeah. me because it is, in fact, a very different model than most art fairs, which are run by event companies. You know, there's For a sure. shoe fair, then yeah. there's an art fair, exactly. and then there's a fashion fair. You know, yeah. and it just goes like that. Yeah. The, the difference is definitely, and it's not only that we don't have to earn the money. I think also that that. Our way of thinking is also that if we create a, a nice uh, a nice umbrella to stand under, then it's good for the gallery. Mm -hmm. It's good for the art scene. It's good for the gallery. So that's actually enough for us. Mm. And I think that 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 makes uh, it's better for our business than we necessarily should earn money on a fucking art fair. Right. Everything changed when uh, Kumaut Kommune. Uh, yes, yes. When they when they, when they uh, decided to support us, because um, for all other people, it's a signal that it's more than just a fair. Uh, a commercial fair for a little group interested. So it meant everything. It changed everything. From that moment, all the foundations, it was a sign saying that Copenhagen City can use that for something. Uh, and that means it's not just an event taking place during three days. Mm -hmm. It means something bigger for Copenhagen. Mm -hmm. So everything changed when they went in. So it was fantastic with that support. And they have supported us in many ways. And uh, everybody knows that you need these key partners to to change things. It's not that many, but you need these key partners. So it's obvious for everybody else what it is about. Uh, have started to understand what we're doing and what our goal is to actually contribute to this this. Um Nordic region because in the beginning trust me I've, I've talked to a lot of people where they were like but you're just a commercial art fan <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and after and, and it always required a meeting where you talked about what is this and what right. is what's our ambition and, and what are we trying to do and it can be hard to get a meeting yeah but luckily actually after talking to people they realize that we're not that dangerous and, and maybe maybe the non-commercial part of the art world can actually 
benefit from the commercial part and vice versa because mm. i think there's a, a tendency these days also with so many like the government cutting down on support etc cetera, etc cetera. i think the art world has to look at new ways of how to collaborate and and i think if you look at it if you look at the commercial side of the art world and also commercial companies but but aren't being afraid of actually maybe doing touching them or doing something with them you can actually find some some very strong connections uh, and I think chart is a great a great example of this without compromising the content of the of, of, the, of an art project mm -hmm. if it makes sense it does yeah cool well uh, thank you very much I'm really excited to uh, to see the uh, see the fair this year thank you five years five years thanks <laughs> thanks Thank you for listening to this special episode of the Undergang Armchair. The intro and outro music is kindly provided by Johnny Ripper, and today's interstitial music was provided by The Passion Hi-Fi. You can find links to their music and tons of other conversations with great people on our oral history of a website, undergang.net. If you like this show, we'd appreciate it if you'd just take a moment to leave a review on iTunes so others can find us. Thank you for joining us and see you at the fair.